But as we woke up this morning, um, did you think about whether it was safe to go outside or not? Did you even think about that? Um, some, most probably did not. Some might have, but most did not. Because we um, generally know it to be safe when we walk out our doors. We're thankful for that. Um, most of us don't stay awake at night wondering what would happen if the house caught on fire. Um, we probably have a plan, hopefully, and uh, we have um, talked to our children and have some kind of a plan. Um, but if our house caught on fire or if somebody else's house or an apartment building or a, a business caught on fire, um, we would call the fire department. More specifically, we would call 911 and let them sort that out, right? Because those dispatchers, the telecommunicators, they know exactly the resources that the city has that are available, and they implement all of those things. They send what they can, and uh, they know exactly who to uh, dispatch to whatever situation you're dealing with. Uh, whether it's uh, maybe you, you had a car accident. Some of you might even call 911 if it's serious enough for a car accident. Um, but we're thankful for our first responders who, who uh, meet us in our moment of need. And uh, somebody has said we sleep safely in our beds because somebody stands ready in the night to visit violence on those who would harm us. And you think about that. There's somebody at times that has to themselves who has... Who has no impure motive. Their only motivation is to help, to serve, to protect. But their job requires them to enact violence on those that are uh, a perpetrator, somebody that is, has a wicked uh, heart and evil intention. Uh, but we're thankful for our first responders that are willing to do that. In John three sixteen, we want to read about Jesus, the first responder. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. There's probably only a few sermons where I don't quote John 3.16 because it is the most famous verse in the Bible. But it's a wonderful verse. But the verses before it and the verses after it are wonderful too. But this talks about our Lord uh, being the sacrifice. Jesus is our sacrifice for our sins. The Father sent his son Jesus, God in the flesh. The Bible calls him Emmanuel, God with us. And uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, and that is an all-inclusive word. That word means anybody. If anybody calls upon the Lord Jesus Christ to be their Savior, he will save them. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now you've got to call the right number. Uh, you ever heard somebody jokingly say, hey, what's the number for 911? <laughs> I'm like, I can't remember the number for 911. And uh, some of you remember a time before 911. How many of you would be willing to raise your hand? You remember a time before 911. Look around you. Look at how many young people are in this room today. And some people just don't remember that because you were born uh, in the last three decades or four decades maybe. And uh, I don't know exactly what year. I'm thinking the 80s, probably at some time, maybe late 70s. I'm not even sure because I wasn't around for that. It's always been there in my mind. Uh, but I do remember in the late 80s, well, not really the late 80s. It was on in the late 80s, but I remember the early 90s. 
uh, watching a show called Rescue 911 with, uh, well, you guys probably remember that show. How many of you remember that show? And that was like my favorite show to watch as a kid, to be honest with you. You might think, what kind of child were you? That was kind of a weird show for a child to like. But what was uh, attractive to me was the fact that there was people, these are real life stories of people that were in an emergency situation and they knew to call the right number. And it was kind of a public service uh, type of doc, or, uh, uh, show to help people realize there is a resource. There's somebody you can call when you need help. And it's an international, or it's a national, uh, for our country, it's a national thing to uh, get emergency services. But if you call upon the Lord Jesus Christ, if you call upon the true Savior of the world, he will save you. He will not cast you out. He will not turn you away. He will not say, come back when I'm not busy. I've heard of people calling 911 and they've gotten a busy signal. And that's pretty, pretty scary when you think about that. Praise the Lord, most of the time they don't have that. They can answer that call. But you'll never receive a busy signal when you call God. When you call God in, uh, out of a heart that is repentant, he will answer your prayer. The Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. But that's not his problem, that's our problem. Because we're holding on to something. We want, we want all of the benefits without any of the sacrifice of, of giving up, or giving up something we're holding on to. But if you call upon the Lord as, as a, uh, a sinner, and you're willing to admit that you need the Savior, he says, I will save you. I will save you. It's not works, it's not anything but belief, uh, it's putting trust and dependence upon the Lord. But uh, we think about Jesus, the first responder. He showed up at the right time. He showed up at the right time. A first responder doesn't enter a burning building to judge or to condemn the residents for starting the fire. They are there, that first responder, especially in a burning building situation, Usually a firefighter is there to seek and to save. Jesus could have sent angels to grab men by the nape of the neck and bring them to the edge of the lake of fire, and he could have easily executed judgment from heaven, but that's not what God decided to do. He said, because I love my creation, I'm going to send something so precious, the only one that could save, and that is his son Jesus, who became a man, who partook in our human experience, yet without sin, the Bible says. He did not have a sin nature like all of us do, but he partook in this human experience, and he became a man so that he could be the sacrifice for mankind. And uh, he decided to, to not extend judgment first, but rather grace. See, God gives us an opportunity to be saved rather than to have to face the impending judgment. All of us deserve hell. There's not one person that can say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. I don't deserve to go to hell. Nobody can pat themselves on the back this morning and say that, truthfully. All of us deserve to go to eternal judgment and damnation. But Jesus is God's grace to mankind. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so Jesus became man so that he could seek and to save 
that which was lost. Look at verse 17 there, John three seventeen. God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. See, we see the word world three times in that verse. We see it once in verse 16. And we understand that word whosoever. I've already explained that to anybody. But that word world is another uh, all-encompassing word. That means all people, the cosmos, mankind. For God so loved mankind, he loved us, all of us, each of us. And he didn't come, Jesus didn't come to condemn us, but to save us. Jesus didn't enter into this world as one to uh, execute judgment, but rather one that would bring salvation. His desire is that the world through him might be saved. There's no other way to salvation except through Jesus Christ. He says that there in verse 17, that the world through him, through Jesus, might be saved. There, there are many, many, many people in this world that need saving. They don't need saving from a car accident. Primarily, their need is salvation, spiritual salvation. They don't need saving from a house fire as much as they need spiritual salvation. Their soul will spend eternity somewhere. Your body is going to die. All of us will die. And that's a, a very grim thought. That's a very, uh, that's, that's a very serious thought that we are not going to live forever in this human body. But we, the part of us that is eternal, will go somewhere forever. And the fact is, is that we need saving for our eternal life, our eternal soul. Where will we spend forever? Not the body, not a physical salvation, although that's nice at times. Some have been spared from a physical death. Some here in this room have been spared from physical death. I remember my grandma was in church in the late 80s. And uh, because of that show, Rescue 911, uh, she was saved not spiritually, but physically. She was already spiritually saved. She was in church, and she had a heart attack. And the pastor, Pastor Ewers, he had watched that show. I believe it was Rescue 911. He had watched something on TV, but I'm pretty sure it was that show, and he knew how to do CPR. He had never taken a CPR class. I'll be honest with you, I've taken CPR several times, and I've already forgotten how to do it. Uh, it'll come back to me, hopefully, in the moment of need, but um, nothing, nothing like an emergency situation to get your heart pumping, right? But this pastor, he had watched it on TV, and he, uh, he was able to perform the CPR on my, gram my great-grandma, and, and she lived to be 100 years old. She was uh, probably in her 80s at that time, or late 70s, and she lived to be 100. And so... Her greatest uh, need in that moment, I guess, was physical because she had already been saved. But if she had not been saved, if she didn't know the Lord Jesus Christ as her Savior, it wouldn't have mattered if she had lived after getting CPR and after the paramedics coming and helping to revive her, if she had lived to be 100, only to die and go to hell forever. We many times think, oh, it'd be great to be, uh, uh, to be able to live a long time, 100 years. But in the, the scope of eternity, 100 years 
although it's three digits, it seems like a long time, it's just a little drop in the bucket or a drop in the ocean compared to forever and forever. But my, grandma, my great-grandma, thankfully, was saved. I had, I had a wonderful, wonderful great-grandma and great-grandpa. I didn't get to meet my great-grandpa, except I was born when he was, uh, he, I was probably three, two or three when he passed away, but I don't remember him. But from what I, I heard, he was a wonderful, wonderful, godly Christian. I'm thankful for that heritage. But it doesn't matter that they were saved. It doesn't matter that my grandparents and my parents were saved. I had to make a choice for myself to be saved. And each of us have to do that. It doesn't matter uh, who you are, where you come from. You need to make your own personal choice for salvation. But Jesus died for you. He died for you so that you could have an opportunity to receive salvation for your eternal soul. Your soul will spend eternity either in heaven or in hell. We deserve hell, but Jesus died on the cross so that we could go to heaven. So he showed up at the right time. God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. That's not what our need was. Our need was salvation. But that the world through him might be saved. That our world through him might be saved. I think of uh, something I learned a few weeks ago in the police academy. There's uh, sometimes the need to have uh, uh, law enforcement and medical teams go into a building when there's an active shooter situation. Uh, the, our country has organized, it's a national thing, has organized a system uh, to, uh, to make it a standard. So every law enforcement agency knows exactly what to do because many times in an active shooter situation, you'll have people in, from Milwaukee, Milwaukee police officers, you'll have Greenfield police officers, you might have Oak Creek police officers all showing up to the same location. What do you do when you have three different agencies who don't train together, have to work together in a high-stress high situation? It has to, have to be a standard. So we learned the standard, and that is when you uh, show up, there's a uh, command post, and at the command post, they, they tell you, you're part of this team. These are your assignments, and let's say contact team one. You have three, four, or five officers that go in together in the diamond formation. They enter a building, and if there's an active shooter situation, their focus is not on the sick and injured. You might say, that's not very nice. No, their focus is to stop the killing. And they go after that shooter. Uh, sad to say, we heard about a year ago about a situation down in Texas where they didn't actually do their job. And you saw what happened in that situation. But a uh, police officer's job is to go after the threat. And then when the, the threat is uh, taken care of and uh, the threat is stopped, then there's something called a rescue task force. And that's where you might have some firefighters or EMTs. Uh, in our city, we have the Milwaukee Fire Department that would go in with police officers. You have police, a police officer in the front, one or two, and then you have a, a rear guard police officer that protects the medical unit. And they go in and they start extracting people that are hurt, injured. They can render aid at that point. But uh, that uh, rescue task force may have up to three or four EMTs. They move quickly into the warm zone, and they go along those cleared corridors to take care of those that are hurt. Now think about what Jesus did. He had to come, and he eliminated the threat, and that was 
our, uh, the, 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 the law, right? The, the sin issue. We are under the law. He had to come and fulfill the law. He took care of something we couldn't do, and that is to die for our sins. He is the uh, one that, uh, that gives us power to, uh, to be saved from that bondage of sin. The law says that you are, uh, you are a sinner, God's law, the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not uh, kill, which uh, many of us, well, hopefully are, are not somebody that has committed murder. But do you know the Bible says that if you hate somebody in your heart, you've committed murder? Well, the Bible says thou shalt not commit adultery. But did you know that Jesus said if you lust after somebody, you've committed adultery in your heart? See, God looks at the heart. God sees uh, what man doesn't see. Of course, man puts on a good show on the outside, but God says, I know your heart. And you are from Adam, a sinner. You are born with a sin nature, but on your own accord, you have committed your own sin. And so Jesus came to, uh, to give us an opportunity to be forgiven of our sins because he took our punishment, what we deserve forever in hell, he took that upon, the, upon himself on the old rugged cross. And he died in our place. But we have to receive his forgiveness. He says, I- I'm, I'm going to take your place. But you have to enact your will and receive grace, God's gift, God's riches at Christ's expense on that old rugged cross. He uh, who knew no sin became sin for us. See, he, uh, he was that contact team. He went into the hot zone. He dealt with the, uh, the threat. He dealt with the problem. But then... He also is that, uh, that rescue task force where he comes in and he takes care of the sick and injured. By the way, all of us have the disease called sin and all of us need saving. There's nobody, as I've already mentioned before, there's none of us that can say, I'm perfect, I've never done anything wrong. You might say, well, I'm pretty good, but none of us can say we are good. The Bible says there's none good, no, not one. We've all have sinned. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3, 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. How many of you could say that? I'm perfect. Nobody could do that. Put your hand up, you'd be lying and you'd be breaking God's law right there. But all have sinned. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with the Lord today. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Paul says in uh, Romans as well, in verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin, the payment, what we deserve for our sin, the wages of sin is death. You can sin and sin and sin, but payday is coming. What we deserve? Death. And not just physical death, as I said, because our greatest need is not to be saved physically. Our greatest need is to be saved spiritually. God is very specific. He's talking about spiritual death, meaning separation from God forever in hell, what we deserve, condemnation, to, be, to, be, uh, to, be, uh, to die forever in, in eternity. We deserve that. The wages of sin is death. I love the second part of verse 23, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ 
our Lord. See, he's the one that makes the difference. He's that uh, rescue task force who comes in and uh, deals with the sick and injured. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 and 5. If you don't have time to turn there, just listen as I read. But you can put this in your notes. Galatians 4, 4 through 5. But when the fullness of time was come. What does that mean? What does that phrase mean? Galatians 4, 4. When the fullness of time was come. Very simply, at the right time. When the fullness of time was come, Paul writes, God sent his son, made of a woman. What does that mean? He was a man. God's son became a man. He took on human flesh. Then he says, made under the law. What does that mean? Jesus was born under the law so that he could redeem those who were slaves of the law. He took on flesh that bears the consequences of sin so that he could die for us. He was not a sinner. He did not have a sin nature, but he partook in humanity. He put on that human flesh, and so he understood what it was like to live under the curse. And the Bible says he was made of a woman, made under the law. In verse number five, Paul says, to redeem. What does that word redeem mean? That means to purchase, right? Uh, to exchange even. How many of you uh, ever have redeemed something? You might have a ticket and you redeem that for, uh, or a coupon. I think of coupons. I like coup- coupons. I was talking to my wife this week. I said, we need to get back to couponing. And uh, things are getting a little expensive, aren't they? A little, right? That's an exaggeration. But... Uh, I like, I like to get a good deal, and sometimes you have to take a coupon with you, right? But you redeem that. It doesn't have necessarily any kind of value, per se, in that coupon, but, um, but you redeem it, and there is value there. It's not money, but you exchanged it for something. And uh, God sent his son to redeem us, Paul says, to redeem them that were under the law, to purchase or to buy back to exchange. Jesus exchanged his suffering for us. He took our place. Verse 5, to redeem them that were under the law. Who, who is under the law? All of us are under the law. We are under God's law. Paul says that the law is a schoolmaster to bring us to the knowledge and understanding that we are condemned. Um, it's, the law is not there for us to keep. <laughs> the law is there to show us that we are not able to keep the law. Some think, well, that's the law of, of God, the Ten Commandments. That's a, a good goal to try to attain. And of course, uh, God uh, wants us to become holy and to become like like him, to become like Jesus, his son, but we should only strive for that after we've been saved because there's no point in trying to keep the law for salvation because it's there to show us we can't save ourselves. Jesus, uh, Jesus um, became uh, the son of man so that he could uh, give us a way out of our sin. Uh, he says there in verse 5, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption 
of sons. I'm giving you a lot of theology this morning, um, but it will try to uh, keep moving here, and it'll hopefully make sense. But uh, first of all, the first responder, Jesus, he showed up at the right time. Then I want to say, secondly, that he showed up to the right people. He showed up to the right people. Um, we tend to distrust those that don't look like us, that don't talk like us, that don't have much in common with us. Um, and uh, if we were to ignore people in our world that are different than us, if we were to, let's say, ignore their needs, if we have an opportunity to meet somebody's need, uh, let's say, for instance, a first responder, if they were to say, well, we only, uh, we only help those that speak English, well, that'd be a, a crime, wouldn't it? That'd be horrible. It, that, that, would be, um, that would be hopefully out of the norm. If somebody were to say, well, I only help those that uh, look like me, I think that'd be immoral, it'd be wrong, unethical. But if we were to do that, and sometimes, unfortunately, people do think that way, we would be doing something different than Jesus did. Because Jesus came to save all people. He uh, went out of his way to care for those who were different than him. If you remember, he met in uh, 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 John the book of John, he met the Samaritan woman at the well. Okay, a Samaritan was somebody that the Jews did not, uh, they didn't care for Samaritans, and Samaritans didn't care for Jews. There was a, a race issue back in Jesus' day. Uh, the Samaritans uh, were hated initially by the Jews because they were deemed to be uh, sub, um, <clears throat> a subculture. They were not uh, considered to really be Jewish. They were half, maybe half Jewish, uh, uh, ethnically. And their culture was a little bit different. The way they worshiped was a little bit different. And because of the hatred that they felt, they just, they just hated the Jews. And here, the, Jesus went to Samaria. He being a Jew, culturally, uh, he went to a place that Jews didn't really frequent, especially uh, not a well uh, and especially not to meet a woman who was not just a Samaritan, but somebody that was probably not a very moral person. And he went and found this woman who had a great need. And that wasn't to just get water. Her need was not just physical. Sometimes we focus too much on our physical needs. But he, he showed her that her need was more than just to have physical water at a well. Her need was to have a spiritual filling. A spiritual uh, thirst is what she really had. And he explained to her her need. And he cared about somebody that the other people in his uh, circle said, why in the world would you go to somebody like that? Jesus healed, also in another instance, he healed the Syrophoenician woman's daughter in Matthew chapter 15. I read something the other day out of Revelation chapter 5, verse 9, um, that I hope to uh, point to the fact that Jesus is, uh, his heart is for all people. 
His heart is not just for Americans. His heart is not just for Jews. God doesn't care just about uh, a certain class of people. He doesn't care what color their skin or what language they speak. God cares and loves all peoples. We already pointed out John three sixteen, But Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. I love this. Uh, this, is, uh, this is a beautiful passage. Just this one verse even. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book. Of course, this is John, John's revelation or understanding of, of some things to come in the future. But he sees this, this vision, and uh, he heard them sing a new song, and they said in heaven, Thou art worthy to take the book, speaking of Jesus, and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain. Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. He was slain. He was, he was uh, slain for us. And in, in, in heaven they sing, Thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Jesus was slain for all people. He didn't die just for uh, some. He didn't die just for uh, a few. He died for all people. Every tongue, every kindred, every people, every nation. John chapter 3, back to our passage. John chapter 3, verse 18. He that believeth on him is not, what's the next word? Condemned, But he that believeth not is condemned already. Notice here that John divides the world in, uh, of men into two categories. Those that believe and those that do not believe. Did you know that on the great ship, the Titanic, which sank over 100 years ago now, hard to believe. But if you haven't heard about the Titanic, um, I have a hard time believing that. But if you haven't heard about it, look up the story. The Titanic uh, had on it uh, some very, very rich people. Some of the wealthiest people in the world at that time were on that ship. That ship also had some very, very poor people. Of course, you had the different classes, first, second, third class. But the day that it sank, the night that it sank, it wasn't the wealthy, the middle class, the poor, the well-connected, the unknown, the famous, the not-so-famous. There were only two classes of people on that ship that really mattered in that moment that it sank. Those that were saved and those that were lost. The same is true for our world. So many times we see this world through a certain lens. We see, oh, well, uh, they're different than me. Oh, they're, uh, they're, they're a different color than I am. They speak a different language than I do. Oh, they live in a different part of the world. They have different culture. They have different tastes, different preferences than I do. But God doesn't see it that way. He sees either you're saved or you're lost. And the Bible says that God's will is that all would be saved. That's his will. That's his desire. The universal truth is whoever believes is not condemned. It doesn't say in verse 18, whoever is baptized. It doesn't say whoever continues to offer sacrifices for their sin to work to be uh, 
uh, worthy of, of heaven. No, it says those that believe are not condemned. But those that don't believe, they're already condemned. Jesus, Jesus uh, came to save those that are already condemned. Um, <clears throat> even the, the uh, Jewish uh, Pharisees who um, were not righteous, although they, they acted like they were, they pretended that they were, they, uh, they wanted to portray and project to, the, uh, to their culture and their society that they were perfect and they were righteous and they kept the law. But Jesus said, you're not. He said, you're whited sepulchers. You look good on the outside, but inside you're full of death and decay. They thought they were perfect. They thought that they were healthy and whole. And Jesus said, if you're whole, then you don't need me. The truth is they needed him just as much as anyone else. But he said, the whole, the whole if you're physically healthy, you don't need the doctor. And some of us, some of us don't think we need salvation. Some of us think we're pretty good. And some people in this world, they, they live their life uh, looking down at others and the whole time never realizing that they themselves are just as wicked and just as deserving of hell as anybody else. You know, when you have reached rock bottom, it's easy, it's easy to think and to come to the conclusion that you must need salvation. You are, you are at the lowest that you could hit, right? Some, uh, some people go to prison uh, and they hit rock bottom. They come to that realization, uh, man, I have messed things up. And uh, hopefully they, they have that opportunity to hear the gospel and get saved. But there are some people who have never, ever had, had that gift. You might say, well, how would being, going to prison be a gift? How would uh, hitting financial ruin be a gift? How would coming to a health crisis be a gift? Because if it turns your eyes to the Lord Jesus Christ, that is the greatest gift and blessing you could ever have. Because 100 years, it's, it's not, it's nothing. It's nothing compared to forever. Jesus said, if you gain the whole world, what, what, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his eternal soul? And so there are some in this world that have never had the gift of losing everything and turning to Jesus Christ. So today, if you, you might say, well, I don't have much. I don't have anything. But if you have salvation, you have the Lord Jesus Christ, you are the richest person in the world. <laughs> Didn't you know that? You are a wealthy person. So the two classes of men that John divides us into, the universal truth, if you do not believe, if you do not believe you're condemned, but if you do believe, you are not condemned. Jesus died for you and me. He didn't care what you did. He doesn't care what you've done. He doesn't care what you look like. He loves you the same. So not only did he show up to the right people, he showed up even though it was inconvenient. He wasn't worried about his own comfort. If that were the case, he wouldn't have become a man, let alone die for men. If a first responder is only worried about what's comfortable and easy and safe, they'll never enter the burning building. They'll simply drive past 
They'll ignore the emergency call. We're blessed to have some people in our city, great men and women who are on the job protecting us 24 hours a day. And while we run away from danger, they run to danger to save life. They try to bring order to chaos. <laughs> and somebody does that job. Praise the Lord for that. Somebody has to be able to, uh, to think under pressure, to disregard their own life. We're thankful for them, but they need our prayers. Let me ask you this question. Are we like Jesus? Are we like Jesus? I'm not asking you to become a first responder, although there might be an opportunity where all of us, any of us could have a need, an imminent need that we're called on to take care of. Maybe it's a physical problem, um, a life and death situation, and you would be essentially a first responder. But are we like Jesus, a spiritual first responder, somebody who loves people when it's inconvenient, you don't know what's going through somebody's heart and through somebody's mind. Uh, at any given moment, you might be that person that makes a life or death or eternal life or death uh, situation. Uh, you can help somebody out who is, who is at a moment of deep despair in their life. They are willing to, uh, to take their own life. They're despairing. They're out of hope. They are out of options and solutions. And it might be just your word your word of help in the right moment, a word fitly spoken, as the Bible says, that makes the difference of life or death for them. William Barclay said, act on your impulses of love. And that's not sensual love. This is godly love that William Barclay is speaking of. He says, act on your impulses of love. I like that. Somehow we always seem to do the opposite. So many times we say and do things that cause hurt and irreparable damage. We act on the impulses of, of hurting people. You might feel, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm upset at this person. You act on your emotion, your own hurt or your own hatred. And I know that's, that sounds pretty tough today, but that there is hatred many times in our hearts for people. And we have our own little passive ways of, of acting and hurting people instead of loving people. But sadly, when it comes to doing something good, we hesitate. We talk ourselves out of, uh, of doing the right thing. We think that it'll be, uh, it'll be too forward for me to uh, say something kind to them. Yet we don't think about hurting people at times. May we examine our hearts and think about <clears throat> those times where God, I believe, the Holy Spirit even calls on us to share a kind word or a kind act to help somebody. Sometimes we think, well, if I do that for them, you know, they will not, uh, they're not going to reciprocate. Well, that's a wrong reason to do something. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. He didn't come uh, to he didn't die on the cross so that we could <clears throat> somehow pay him back someday. <laughs> we can never pay him back for his gift. He came to give us something that we didn't, we who do not deserve anything, he gave us everything. And so may we be like the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul gives us that, we've been looking at the, 
uh, one another commands of Scripture, but Paul gives us several of them, but one of them is to love one another, even as God for Christ, or forgive one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven us. We see in the Scriptures, love one another. Jesus has said that, love one another. Love your enemies. Pray for your enemies. And, and you might say, well, man, I can't do that, but Jesus did. And he gives us strength to do it. He will give us help to do that. We need to learn to take advantage of those opportunities when God prompts us to show love and kindness to others. Don't talk yourself out of it. Because the perfect timing may never come again. And there are so many times, I'll be honest with you and fully transparent today, there are times where God has said, you need to talk to that person, and I didn't obey the Holy Spirit, and the opportunity was gone. Never to have a chance to talk to somebody again. So take, take advantage of of the time that God gives you, your most precious commodity. I was talking to somebody about that yesterday. Time. Time is fleeting, but it is our most precious resource. The wealthiest person in this world can never buy back their life. You might say, man, I wish I could go to the store and get a year or five years or 10 years and just, and if you could, by the way, uh, that would be awesome, but it's not possible. So your time is the most precious commodity that you have. Do not waste and squander your time. Uh, God gives us just a few years on this earth. We have already said that this life is not forever, and it's just a drop in the, in, in the ocean of eternity. But take what you have, because it is in this life that you decide if you're going to receive salvation or if you're going to reject God if you're going to reject Jesus. It is in this life that you have the choice. Am I going to obey God and follow his commands and listen to the Holy Spirit when he prompts me to say something or prompts me to do something? Or am I just going to live for self? Or am I just going to do what's convenient in the moment? May we follow the Lord Jesus Christ, not just in salvation, but in every area of our life after we're saved to, uh, to grow and to become more like Jesus. Too many times we're focused on self and what's convenient and what's easy. Time, lastly today, time is of the essence. God sent Jesus as a first responder to rescue us from sin. And today, why don't you accept his call? Why don't you accept his call to be saved? I'm gonna ask that, let's just have every head bowed and every eye closed. If there's somebody here this morning that you, you say, I've never been saved, I've never been forgiven of my sins, Jesus loves you. He died on the cross for you. Uh, the Bible says that, yes, you're a sinner, but the way, and the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Salvation comes when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We put our total faith and dependence upon him. You might say, I've never done that. I've never received salvation. I've been forgiven my sins. You might say, well, I've been to church. I've done a lot of good things. I've tried and tried, but I've never put my full trust and dependence, rejecting my good works and myself, and put my faith in Jesus Christ. I've never done that. But today I'd like to, I'd like to receive salvation. If that's you this morning, I'd like to pray for you. If you would lift your hand up and I could pray for you. We're not gonna call you out and embarrass you in any way. Thank you, I see that hand. You can put your hand down. Thank you. Anyone else? I've never received Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I'd like to get saved. Thank you. You don't, have to, uh, you don't have to join the church. That's not what I'm asking. 
You don't have to <clears throat> start uh, something new. You don't have to uh, rededicate something. You just need to come just as you are and give yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith, total dependence. Like what Paul said to that um, jailer in Philippi. So the jailer said, what must I do to be saved? He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. By the way, if there's anyone here that you are saved this morning, you say, I know that I'm saved. Praise God for that. But today, <clears throat> I need to become someone who listens to the Holy Spirit. Praise God for the day that you listened to him when you got saved. But for, for your life, for, or maybe for a period of time, You've stopped listening to the Lord. You've stopped listening to the Spirit. He's speaking to you and saying, hey, you need, to, you need to take a step of faith here. You need to make some decisions here. You need to talk to that person. You need to show somebody love. And uh, you've been uh, just following your own inclinations, your own understanding, as the Bible says, to not lean on to that, but to trust in the Lord. And you say, I need to learn to trust in the Lord. I need to just start doing that. And today, I'd like to have prayer. I, I need prayer, Pastor so that I can begin to trust the Lord as I make my, uh, as I walk every single day of my Christian life. I need to trust the Holy Spirit and listen to his leading. If that's you, just raise your hand. I'd love to pray for you this morning. Thank you so much. See several hands. Anybody else? I need to begin to trust the Lord. And just put your hand up. All right, thank you. You can put your hands down. What I'm asking you to do this morning, there was several that raised their hand for salvation and many more that raised their hand for uh, spiritual growth. If that's you, whatever the need is, I'm going to ask you as soon as I say amen, the piano will begin to play. I'd ask that you come forward and talk to, to one of the, there's several people that have already come down here to help counsel those that need prayer, need help from the scriptures, need to get saved, whatever your need is. You, f you find somebody down here and just say, hey, I need, I need help and just tell them whatever it is that the Lord is putting into your heart today. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed, let's stand to our feet. Father, I do pray that you bless this time of invitation. <clears throat> I ask that you would help us to, to listen so intently to your spirit. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to, to realize that we need you. May we not have to hit rock bottom in our life to turn to you. The Lord, right now, may you help us in the uh, tenderness of, of this hour as we have listened to your Holy Spirit and your, your word. You've taken your, your, your word and have, have uh, spoken in a specific way to our hearts. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to listen and to be sensitive to what your will is for our life. May we not begin or continue to float and to go the paths of least resistance. I pray that you would help us, Lord, to decide to follow Jesus. As we listen to your spirit guiding us, help us to do that. God, you do have a specific will, I believe, for every one of us. And we will not find your will until we begin to yield to you. I pray that you would help us to get that understanding in our hearts. I pray for some here that are, have been saved for 
a short time. I pray that you would help them to, to get busy right now serving you. I pray for those that have been saved for a long time that kind of are set in their ways in, in one way or another. I pray that you would continue working on their hearts. Help all of us to not become cold or calloused spiritually. I pray that you bless this time of invitation. I pray for those that raise their hand, Lord. Uh, continue working in their hearts. In Jesus' name.